sometimes our own citizen narrative about the place we're living is still sort of stuck in a we're a smaller center and we're not New York, we're not Paris, we're not San Francisco, we're not Toronto. And I think actually, if you compare pound for pound what's going on here, Calgary is actually punching way above its weight. And we just have to have our narrative about ourselves catch up on that. Welcome to the Joe Momo Presents podcast. This is the Calgary Leader Series. Let's start the show. I'm really excited to have my next guest on the podcast. He's the executive director at the Calgary International Film Festival. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen Schroeder. Hello, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Joe. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. Um, yeah, let's just jump right into it. How about you let the listeners know who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Steve. I'm Steve Schrader. I'm the executive director of the Calgary International Film Festival. Uh, maybe some of your listeners know the festival, but we've been going for now 22 editions here in Calgary. We're one of the largest film festivals in Canada and um, the largest public celebration of cinema and screen-based art in the province. And uh, we and and I think we play a uh, you know an important role in the film industry here generally in terms of being a great public facing champion for all the great things happening in film and TV and related industries here in Calgary and and also just people who, who love cinema from around the world and their own backyard. Absolutely, uh, I read that you've been the ED since 2012. I mean, that's 10 plus years. Uh, yep. I'd love to know how you got into this. Uh, role was what's the what's the backstory there yeah my 11th anniversary is coming up uh just in a few weeks here so it's a long time to stay with any one organization i've been working my whole life my whole adult life anyway in the not-for-profit art sector here in alberta um i've i've been a theater producer uh, i've produced other types of live events um and really the main through line in my career the whole time has been festivals you know special celebrations uh, be they performing arts festivals or now film festivals. And um, how did I get into it? How did I find myself here? I had been working in Calgary, as I said, already um, for, for quite a long time, for almost two decades in the performing arts as a theater producer and, and, and uh, performing arts festival producer in the city. And, um, you know, I, 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 I sort of hung up my executive director hat in my, in my old job. I had been running another, running a theater company called One Yellow Rabbit. And I was like, I, I loved it, but I wanted a break from being responsible for the whole organization and, you know, the general executive role. So I went into consulting for a couple of years and worked on a bunch of really exciting projects. Um, and then one day a friend of mine called me and said, Hey, that Calgary International Film Festival executive director job is coming open and you should apply. And I thought, no way. I'm having way too much fun as a consultant. Um, and then, and then I slept on it and I was like, you know what? I've always been a huge film buff and, and, you know, that's an exciting festival. And I think it has, I think it's best days are ahead of it. And why shouldn't I, why shouldn't I jump at the chance? Right. Absolutely. Speaking of the festival, I mean, it's such a great festival. Um, it's a 12-day celebration of the visual arts. And I think you guys yes. screen over like 200 uh, multi-genre films. Over 200 films. Yeah. That's amazing. 
Um, and we have we we get we get that's drawn from a much larger number. Um, this year we set another record, so we had almost four thousand films submitted from around the world to the festival. It's a very big job. People forget the, all the work that goes into organizing the festival behind the scenes. We are actually picking the best of the best from what is submitted to us by filmmakers and studios from around the world. Wow, that's that's amazing stuff. Uh, for the casual listener uh, that maybe doesn't know too much about uh, CIFF, uh, what's maybe something or the biggest thing uh, you guys do that maybe most people don't know about? Well, I think, you know, I, I was thinking about this before the podcast. What could we talk about that would be, you know, maybe something that wouldn't be intuitive for people to think about with a film festival, right? Because it sounds simple on paper, doesn't it? A film festival. Oh, <laughs> you pick some movies, you know, or maybe some other forms of content. You rent a movie theater, you project them on the screen, you sell some tickets, you market it. How hard could that be? It's so much more complex than that, Joe. I mean, for one thing, um, it is, uh, we are in this giant global industry, right? The, fi the film and TV industry, and maybe this is the way I'll answer your question, is to say that like the film and TV industry is in so much flux right now. Um, and that has very low local implications in terms of how much film and TV is being shot and made here in Alberta. And the answer is right now, a lot of it, by the way, we're boom, that industry is booming here. Um, but also globally speaking, you know, what's happening in the world of cinema, how is distribution of films changing? What's the evolving role of film festivals in a world where now you have, you know, dozens of screening streaming platforms, you know, and, and, and increasingly sophisticated ways people can discover amazing visual stories and films and, and other forms of content online and in their own homes. What's the role of the festival? Um, and so th that's always in flux. It, it, the rate, the pace of change is speeding up in our industry, just like most industries these days. And so I guess the thing that really people don't, might not know is how much constant adaptation and innovation is going on to keep a film festival as a, as a unique, exciting type of experience that you really can't get anywhere else. And, and it's, and, and I'll, I'll just, I've given you a long answer, but, but I'll just close by saying this. I think no matter how much technology changes the way people interact with movies, um, that there's, one thing that you still can't get even with VR and that's you know that energy you get from a few hundred real humans being together in a room you know having an emotional and aesthetic experience together and all the social opportunities that come with that and all the opportunities for inclusion and you know sharing of new ideas we're still we're still animals after all and so the way that we celebrate together is in a festival format and that's the, the, what you can't get in your living room no matter how great your your, your tv and your internet broadband connection is <laughs> I love that. Sounds like just the atmosphere and the uh, uh, your surroundings make a huge uh, impact on your experience. Yes. Um, speaking of which, uh, obviously you've gained—I like to call them golden nuggets—throughout your career. You said your eleventh uh, year anniversary is coming up. Uh, what sort of advice would you give somebody wanting to pursue a career in the film industry? Well, 
first of all, there are the film industry itself is so broad that the advice might vary depending on what you wanted to do. You know, if you want to be, if you want to do production design, you know, if you're design, if you're a designer and you want to help design things, that's one path. I'm on a different end of the film industry where we're on the exhibition side, right? So we're all about building audiences for things. We're all about, you know, if this was an oil company, maybe bad example, bad analogy, but like we are, we're on the consumer's end of the, of, of, of the pipeline. Right. So, um, there are people working very hard right now, even, even in these, you know, sub-zero temperatures outside, making the shows, shooting them on location or doing post-production work. And there are a lot of increasingly actually here in Alberta, there are a lot of ways to build a career doing that. Our industry's booming. Um, if you want to be on the side that I'm on where, um, we are we are we are selecting things to show. We are building the public audience. I think the best advice I could give is, um, you know, is is if you want a career in that, um, it's the people who are who it's the people who stick with it the longest who tend to have the longest careers and ultimately the most successful careers. A lot of people are drawn to the world of say film festivals and they, they, they sound fun and they sound glamorous and they are fun. And sometimes they're even a little glamorous, but, um, but there's also a lot of real, really hard painstaking, um, even tedious work that, that goes into putting on a festival. And it's, it's also a very deadline oriented type of world. And that means Deadlines mean stress, right? And so um, very often people come into the world and then they, the world of film festival and, and event production and they get disillusioned really quickly because it's not as fun as they thought it was going to be. And what you have to understand is that there's tremendous fun to be had and tremendous satisfaction to gain. But um, if you're one of the people who also is, you know, can go through the difficult parts, the stressful times, the times when it's not as fun and it's just about getting it done, you're going to go far. The, you know, that sounds like really simple, basic advice. So I hope it doesn't sound too obvious, but honestly, sticking with it and staying in the game is at least half the game, Joe. <laughs> no, I love that. I mean, consistency is key. I always say, I think when you persevere and have that resilience to go through whatever challenges may come in your way in your career, uh, just sticking with it, I think is a huge, yeah. huge thing. And I appreciate you saying that. Um, you have to love, you have to love it. Um, you know, most people on my end of the, of, you know, of, of this, of this industry, you know, they're not really doing it for the big bucks, right? I mean, you can make a decent living, but it's, it's a mission driven type of a world, right? It's not necessarily a profit motive driven part of the world so absolutely uh speaking of skills uh you had mentioned consistency uh but what yeah. i'm curious what's what's uh steve's special uh superpower uh skill that's made you become so successful in your career oh boy wow that's a good question uh, well um first of all i'm this might not be a skill exactly joe but um i'm really proudly a generalist like i I'm not an expert in any one thing, although I suppose I am an expert by now in putting on large scale events. But, um, uh, but first of all, my ability to, um, be, be pretty good at most at the very diverse, you know, rainbow of things you need to be able to think about to run a business like this. So for example, to be really good at dealing with, 
um, to be really good at working with artists, to be really good on the financial things, right? To be able to run a tight ship financially, um, to be able to be a great public spokesperson, right? Have be comfortable in front of a microphone and to talk about what your what your organization does, and uh, whether that's in the media or just in a room full of people. Um, uh, that my you know my uh, my love of marketing and and you know my 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 the fact I enjoy that side of things, the government relations and the government stakeholder side of things government is also an important part important player in our industry so um that that ability to be a generalist and um and and constantly looking for ways to build my skills and understanding in that very wide variety of of fields um has helped me thrive as an executive director that's awesome it it sounds like uh you wear multiple hats and you're very adaptable to any situation you, you find yourself in. So that's, I try to be, I try to be, I mean, of course, I, one of the things I do too is I rigorously look back and like, we do a lot of evaluation and post-morteming and performance review here. That's, we've really built that into the cultural cult, culture here at the Calgary International Film Festival. We're a very, um, we're, we're a very disciplined and self analytical organization and I apply that to myself as well. And so, you know, I, I'm <laughs> my uh, my partner tells me how you know I'm, I'm too hard on myself. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But but I think the, I think the willingness to actually, and I know you're going to ask me about leadership a little later. Um, I think to be able to model vulnerability around the around being self-critical. So then that 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 opens up the door for other people in your organization to also feel safe in you know. Uh, inviting and accepting uh, constructive feedback, right? That's the uh, culture of improvement is what we call that here at SIF. We try to foster that. Mm, I love that culture of improvement. Uh, just trying to get better, <laughs> better every day. And um, yeah, no, that's uh, um, actually one question I did want to ask you was uh, since you, I love your perspective, since you've been in the Calgary scene for uh, a, a while now, um, how's Calgary changed from when you first started uh, to today? Oh my gosh, so much. I mean, so I think it's over 27 years that I've been working in this arts and culture sector here in Calgary. That's a long time. That gives me a long perspective. First of all, um, there is there is so much more happening now than the, than there was in the early 90s and the you know the mid 90s when I when I was really a step beginning to first you know, build my career. And that's not to say that there wasn't much happening back then. There was, there were actually, Calgary was already much more vibrant than, 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 than maybe its reputation would have indicated. Um, but it's just continued to multiply over the years. Anyone who tells you anyone or whoever says to me, Oh, you know, Calgary, there's just, there's nothing to do here. Like, like they are really not looking very hard. I have to tell you, Joe, like <laughs> you, I'm in the arts and culture sector and I couldn't, I don't even have time to attend all the things I would like to attend, let alone that's going on in a week. Right. Um, you could be busy with an amazing experience every night of the week in Calgary. So that's just the volume of what's going on has really changed. We have a lot more infrastructure than we used to have. We had, when I started out, you know, uh, we didn't have nearly as many theaters. We still have a bit of a deficit in the city in terms of some types of infrastructure. We need some larger scale venues in the city that we don't have. Um, but, you know, we, we, we have almost no um, great venues, for example, that are between 600 and 1,000 seats. 
that's a real gap in our in our in our makeup in the city. But um, uh, and venues venues are always a challenge. But we have so many more venues than we did when I first started in this career. You know, we've brought online Vertigo Theater, uh, the Grand, the National Studio Bell, you know, National Music Center Studio Bell, the new Contemporary Calgary Art Gallery. Um, you know, and I could go on and on and and not just even in the world of, of just venues and theaters, but also at the post-secondary level, you know, Bow Valley College has opened up their, their center for entertainment arts. So you can, you know, you can get, you can get diplomas in that, uh, U of C and SAIT and um, the Alberta University of the Arts have all expanded their programs. So there's, and, and, and on, on the government support and funding side, I think the city of Calgary's gotten a lot more sophisticated in how they support the arts and culture and festival sector. I think um, we have better funding than, than, than we did 30 years ago. Um, we have, um, I think we have growing vo- numbers of volunteers. We have all the ingredients to really have, you know, to, to continue to develop one of the best, you know, arts and cultural scenes in North America. And sometimes people laugh when I say that because, they're still stuck in the old idea of what Calgary is, right? Conservative cowboy stampede. Nothing wrong with the stampede, by the way. I mean, it's, it's it's been a big thing for the city. But I think the slowest thing to change has... So I told you all the things that have changed. But the slowest thing to change is a city's own narrative about itself. Calgary is far less conservative um, than, 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 than it thinks it is or than other people think it is. Um, and I'm not talking politically. I'm not talking about, about who you vote for. I'm talking about like your openness to new ideas, your openness to new people. You, you know, your your th- that special tingle you get inside when you're ex- when you're having a new experience, right? A new artistic or aesthetic experience, or you go to some new event and it's not at all what you expected. Calgary has all that to offer. In you know, just in 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 in, in boatloads. Um, but sometimes our own citizen narrative about the place we're living is still sort of stuck in a, you know, we're a, we're a smaller center and we're not one of them, you know, we're not, we're not New York, we're not Paris, we're not San Francisco, we're not Toronto. And I think actually, if you compare pound for pound, what's going on here, Calgary is actually punching way above its weight. And we just have to have our narrative about ourselves catch up on that. Sorry. That was a, that was a bit of a rant. <laughs> no, no, but, I love uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's quite evident with uh, it being the sixth largest film festival in Canada. So obviously mm-hmm. it's such a growing and dynamic scene here that uh, yeah, we're just uh, a creative bunch, and uh, the future looks bright for the film industry here. So it really does. It really does. We've had our probably the best eighteen months on the film production side, film TV that that, that we've ever had. I mean. You know, The Last of Us just shot here, the new HBO show based on the video game. That's the largest production in Canadian history. Let me say that again. That's the wow. largest production in Canadian history, film and TV production, right? Like, that just happened in our city over the last year, you know? So, and, and that's just one thing amongst dozens and dozens of things that are be- big and small that are being made here right now. So, you know, our we have so much to... If, if Alberta's not, I was talking to somebody recently at one of the major studios, actually, and he was saying to me, you know, that he thinks the the biggest story in the you know Canadian film and TV industry that nobody's heard, that nobody's talking about, is how much is happening in Southern Alberta. Yeah, it's it's growing, it's crazy. I'm I'm loving it. <laughs> um, what's maybe what's maybe one question? that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? 
you know, I knew you were going to ask me something like that. And I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think I, that question kind of stumps me. You can probably tell from talking to me already. <laughs> We've known each other a half an hour. You can tell I'm probably, I'm not often at a loss for words, but a but it's hard for me to think about a question that I wish I was asked more often. Um, I, I think that question might be, you know, uh, how, can, how can I, Oh, here's a question. Actually, I, I wish people would ask me more often and now put yourself in the shoes of, of being somebody who's coming to the festival. Right. Um, I wish people would ask me more, um, the, what is the best way to approach a film festival? Like I want to go to a film festival, but maybe I haven't been to a film festival recently or I, or I don't really know 200. You say you have 200 films, Sif, like that sounds very intimidating. How do I know which ones to pick? Um, so I'm going to answer that question. Um, and, the, and, and my answer is really not about there being a right or wrong answer to the question. It's about dive in. So for one thing, most people can't come all 12 nights at the festival, although we do have audience members who do clear their, their calendar and come to everything. But I would say, number one, just 200 movies is kind of overwhelming, right? It's like when you walk into a wine boutique, you want to have somebody working there help you narrow down to one or two choices so we can help you. So just focus on the night you can come. If you can come Thursday, great. That lim that narrows your choices down from 200 movies to maybe, you know, 15 movies, right? And then from there, it's easy to eliminate what you do. Some people are like, I don't like horror movie. Um, I can't stand, I can't watch horror movies. I won't be able to sleep. Great. We can take a few movies off the table, you know? Um, and then slowly you just narrow it down. Um, so make your festival experience something that you can just, just make it bite-sized for yourself. Don't worry about reading 200 films and the synopsis of 200 films and picking the best one. Just, just, just focus on simpler things you can control. Like what night am I going to come? And I'll just work from that. The other thing I would say, and I've done this myself going to other film festivals, is you can pick at random some of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to a film festival in Europe or somewhere in the States or somewhere in Canada, and there'll be a movie I've never heard of by a director I've never heard of. And I just pick it almost randomly and I get the ticket and I go sit there. And you know what? Sometimes those are some of the best experiences I've ever had. And I have no idea what journey I'm about to go on. So, you know, I, maybe that's one way of answering your question, Joe. No, I love that. It sounds like just take a chance, uh, narrow your list down to maybe some aspects that interest you, but really just kind of dive in and go with the flow. Uh, enjoy the just experience. dive in. Yeah, yeah. go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, that's, what a, that's what a film festival is. It's actually supposed to be a little bit not overwhelming exactly, but like, you know, when you go, you know, when you go to a buffet and there's too much to choose from. Like, that's kind of why we go to buffets, right? Because we, <laughs> we want to have that moment where we're like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know? Enjoy that aspect. There's no test at the end. You don't get a gold star if you pick the right movie, you know, and, a, and an F if you, you know, pick the wrong movie. It's, it's, it, and, and by the way, what's a great movie for me is not a great movie for you. You know, we all have different tastes. Exactly. Just indulge in the buffet of movies. That's what exactly. I say. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, I only have a couple more questions here for you. Um, what is something that maybe you're proud of that we haven't touched on in the interview so far? Well, I'm I'm really with a lot of things I'm, I'm I'm proud of. I mean, I'm really proud of how we navigate the pandemic. We had to get super innovative. You know, we never had to cancel any edition of the festival 
during the pandemic at all, that most of the people in the arts and culture sector cannot cannot say that. Um, a lot of festivals were canceled. In the performing arts, of course, where you're putting actual human beings on stage with each other during a pandemic, it's hard to do those things. We were lucky that, you know, what we show is movies primarily, not people on stage, although we do a little bit of that. But um, so we allowed us the ability to pivot and find alternate ways of delivering these movies each year. We all, you know, to our audiences who could maybe consume them, say we began streaming for the first time, um, which we were never able to do before the pandemic. But we also never had to, we also never had to um, go completely online. We we were able to um, change things. So people had the option of coming in person. We were a bit lucky with our timing too, because we were in between waves in the pandemic. So the theaters were never closed by the government. We were able to open just, just at really limited capacities. So we turned that into a system where a, a true hybrid model, where if you bought a ticket, uh, you could use it either to stream it at home or to come to an actual screening at the movie theater that had, you know, that, that had the audience much more spread out and in a, you know, in a much safer environment. So we really, we really worked it to make it, um, something that would, that would work for every individual. You could tailor your own approach to the festival based on your own individual comfort level and your own ability to, to come out in person. And I was really proud of our innovation during that time, but that's behind us. I'm really proud of my team now and how we're embracing the future. The festival has the most, I think, the most significant, important transition coming up ahead of it in the next two years as we sort of reimagine what SIF can be in time for our 2020, sort in times for our in time for our 25th anniversary in 2024. And so, uh, I, I can't talk about that too much yet. But I'm really proud of how. Um, I'm really proud of how cre like we've worked really hard to build a great team at SIF and I'm really proud of how um, creative they are and how safe they feel in being able to bring forward innovative ideas. Um, you know, in a lot of organizations, people don't feel safe, you know, bringing their best ideas to the table because they don't know what's going to happen. It might get shot down. It might not get a fair hearing, might not get listened to, might get stolen by somebody else who's going to take the credit for it. Right. We've worked really hard to create a team where, um, there's a real feeling of safety amongst the, the players. There's a lot of mutual trust. So it means we can bring our A games to the to, to the problems that we and the challenges we have to face. And I'm, I'm I'm proud of that. It's a very internal thing to be proud of, but I'm very proud of that. Awesome. I love that. And that's going to segue to my next question. But before I ask you that, where can our listeners connect with you online or learn more about SIF if they want to uh, reach out? Yeah, SIFCalgary.ca. So that's C-I-F-F Calgary. Dot CA, as in, you know, Calgary International Film Festival, CIFF dot Cal, sorry, CIFF Calgary dot CA. Um, and everything you need can be found from there. <laughs> awesome. And I'll put those uh, links in the show notes, guys. So go reach out and go check them out. Um, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast, Steve. I have one last question for you, and it's uh, touching on the culture uh, answer you just uh, previously had mentioned. Um, but what is being a leader? leadership mean to you so there are many types of leadership and i think great leaders you know and all of us who lead people are called upon to be you know there's democratic leaders and you know autocratic leaders and visionary leaders and pace-setting leaders um and you know other types too and and i think great leaders know how to sort of 
a you know, be the right kind of leader for each situation or have or develop other people in the organization who can lead, you know, in their own areas. Um, leadership ultimately to me means um, modeling the uh, behaviors, cultures and accountabilities you want from you want from people. It's not the only way I could answer your question, but, um, you know, I talked a little earlier about people feeling safe within an organization. Like another way to put that is that like um, the culture of an organization or a company is the soil, right? All the good stuff that the company or organization does is what grows in the soil, right? You're planting seeds, things are growing. Those are your products or your offerings or, you know, the services you provide. But the soil is the culture of the organization, that soil, you need to tend it. You need that soil to be healthy, right? You need that soil to be fertile. You need it to be fertilized. And so good. So to me, the essence of great leadership, and you can't do this directly. You can't dictate it through policy. That's why I say it partially, it's something you have to model as a leader, uh, is you, 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 you tend that soil almost indirectly by kind of um, being the exhibiting and being the behavior that you want to see from others. And when you do that, it doesn't happen right away, but when you do that consistently enough and authentically enough and, you know, um, openly enough and vulnerably enough, um, other people begin to begin to fall. That's what leading literally is, right? It's like you set the pace, you set the example, you show people what's possible. And so you show it in yourself first and then, and then people begin to, you know, other, other that begins to resonate with other folks, and that's that that becomes the soil. That becomes the healthy soil. I hope that doesn't sound too esoteric, but you know, that's that's how that's how I see it. No, I love that. Thanks for sharing. Uh, again, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast, Steve. I hope you enjoyed your time as much as I have. The pleasure's mine, Joe. Thank you for inviting me. It's been really great to talk to you today. Hi, I'm Steve Schrader, and you're listening to Joe Momo Presents. Thanks again for watching the Joe Momo Presents podcast. For more episodes, check out joemomo.com slash podcasts. All right, see you next time.